Have the rules of comedy changed? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. This episode is brought to you by Funwise Capital. Funwise Capital is a business lender matching platform. Avoid the mystery of one-sided deals and connect with Funwise to get the very best funding you can qualify for fast. You can apply online in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get. It's easy. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. You did hear me correctly. I did say start or grow your business. If you don't have a business yet, but you got a solid business plan, they can help you get funding. Get the best funding you can qualify for. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months. Unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short-term gap funding, and bridge loans. They work with real estate, startups like I already mentioned, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started, it's really easy. Just How about comedyclub.funwise.com slash minddog. That's apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Get money for your business now. Apply.funwise.com slash minddog. I want to run a gas station. Launder money. To yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here as always. I hate the way that last screen, we got to do something about that last screen, the way it just hangs up. Uh, but it's a pleasure to have you here tonight, Thursday night. Got through another wild and wacky week here with the interviews of all kinds, uh, a lot of politics this week. And um, tonight, you know, t- they say timing is everything in life, right? And so for seven weeks, the entire world was on fire talking about Dave Chappelle and his uh, latest special. And then this week they decided to shut up and forget about it. And just so happened to me with my impeccable timing, tonight is the night I chose to talk about it, finally say something about it. Uh, Christine Levine is with me here tonight. And uh, I appreciate anybody whose name rhymes. I'm thinking about changing my name to something that rhymes. Now, I'm not sure which way to go, though, whether I want to go Mapo Napo or map nat or nate nate kate or kate kelp or nate kelp no no nope kelp i don't know i need to uh, figure out a good rhyme for my name let me know uh put put it in the in the ta- uh chat what, what my rhyming name should be anyway christine levine the thing about christine levine is i'm finding out uh, nobody doesn't like christine levine she's like sarah lee Nobody doesn't like Sarah Lee. Nobody doesn't like Christine Levine. She is universally loved by everybody in the world. How is that possible? I mean, I, there are people who hate me. There are people who don't like me. Uh, and there are people who hate you. <laughs> and there are people who don't like you. Nobody doesn't like Christine Levine. So let's bring her in. She, You know her. She's star of stage, screen, multiple screens, little screen, big screen, any kind of screen. Uh, uh, radio, uh, stand-up comedy, and all-around universal uh, all-star, and loved by everybody, ladies and gentlemen. Aww. Welcome, Aww. Christine Levine. Welcome back. <laughs> Shucks. Hi. 
right. So <laughs> that was uh, really sweet. Thank you. What is the trick to staying universally loved? <laughs> I don't know. I have. Uh, it's not like I tried to. I mean, <laughs> I've been a real bitch. Uh, I can fool some people who, I mean, like my block list on Facebook is very, very long. And uh, yeah, there's plenty of people that uh, don't like me. Um, But uh, you know what it is? I am respected by my peers because I am a good comedian. So comics do like me, I think. Um, But yeah, there's, oh God, there was this one radio host of a conservative radio show. Oh my God, I should get his name. Oh, I can't think of it right now. Anyway, he called me fat for like six hours. No, eight hours. It was a really long time because um, I heard him say, uh, call Arab people um, sand N-words. Right. And I caught it and I blasted him immediately on Twitter. I was just like, how dare you? And of course, immediately his producer got on and was like, that's not what he said. He's called them sand diggers and i said that's not better i mean kind of i guess because we can say one word and not the other but it's still a slur dummy yeah no it's so silly right i still went after him and anyway so then for the next yeah like six eight hours or something he called me fat and it got all of his people like i've never been so harassed in my life and by the way do you know who it goes after fat people fat women who the only time I'm ever ridiculed for being fat is by right-leaning men. Um, and I, I, prom- I will promise you this also, from my experience, the guys who pick on women who are uh, overweight mm-hmm. love love to bed women who are a little bit bigger. <laughs> I'm saying. It's like they're the t- same dude. Well, that's funny because last week I played a gig. There's a guy I know who comes to see us who is absolutely racist and uh anti-asian big time oh, i mean every fun. yeah and he uses every possible words you haven't heard since the world war ii uh ethnic slurs about asians mm-hmm. but this hot really hot asian showed up uh uh saturday and friday night on a dance floor and he was all over her and i was like it's funny uh-huh. how if a woman is really hot enough she can make you forget that you're a racist i almost wanted to go over and remind them you know you hate asian people that's right <laughs> fat women are real gross until you want a piece of us right. yeah <laughs> i know um so uh what do you think of my timing about this whole uh even you know it's not really about dave Chappelle. it's about everything else but dave Chappelle was the last big example of what's going on Uh, yeah it is funny that it's kind of done now (laughs) i guess it's run its course but i'm still happy to talk about it if you want to i think we can trust dave Chappelle uh to not let it be done Uh, oh you can i can (laughs) assure you that sooner or later he's going to say something that that will uh light it up back on fire uh-huh yeah he will i mean he did say at the end of his special that he will not do any more jokes about trans or lgbtq people until everybody he's he knows everybody's laughing yeah. all at the same time um but then out of the other side of his mouth he also said that he just won't be doing any more specials for a while that's what so, he said at the beginning he said this is going to be my last special and then he paused sort of like, for a minute Yeah, but but there's also something in the title being called a closer. So maybe that's what he wanted us to pay attention to, like sort of like drawing your direction, your, you know, eyes to that, your ears to that. So I don't know. Um, We can only guess or maybe he will do another special, just not for Netflix, but maybe HBO or something like that. Maybe he'll move on. 
They don't it's, know. It's such a confusing issue, and I know there's a lot of different levels. Cause you brought up the idea of how he's treated versus somebody who is working clubs, a road dog comedian, or even a local club worker in, you sure. know, on the East Coast here. The way he's going to be treated for it and th- the way they would be treated for it, they'd probably get fired. He hasn't gotten canceled at all. In fact, no. he, it helped him sell out. Uh, quicker if anything right right and I don't think and I think we're all missing kind of the point here that it's not really that there is a Dave Chappelle who is saying all of this uh, negative stuff or making jokes about LGBTQ people trans people the problem I think is that there is such an audience for it that's what I find disturbing not what he said so much because in context in the in a broad context I understand what he's saying I don't agree with it but I, I hear him. He is saying that some of these jokes are like retaliation for uh, white queer people. He says that, you know, uh, gay people are only a minority until they have to be white again. Right. <laughs> and well, um, he's talking. Yeah. And he's talking about, um, you know, gay and uh, the, the racism within the community. He's talking about that. He's he's trying to point out that the the racism that he's had to deal with, like he, he's kind of jealous of the, the, um, the LGBTQ community. He feels like they've gotten farther with their agenda and their rights and that they're doing better, I guess, than the black movement that BLM has such a pushback, you know, their lives matter, but black lives don't. Right. And he feels like he, he, he's like, you know what? I'm going to level the playing field a little bit. What about this? What right. about he's like he when he talks about the baby, um, the rapper, he was like, more people are pissed off that he um, made some bad, bad words about what happens when you get HIV and some homophobic stuff that he said. But they're not mad that he killed another black person. Right. They're not mad about that. Why? Right. And so, they're mad at Dave Chappelle for saying what's on his mind and not mad that the Buffalo Bills brought, gave O.J. <laughs> Simpson a, a luxury box uh, and a, a mouthpiece, a platform to speak yeah. to the American people. <laughs> there you go. I mean, he's just he's he's got a lot of uh, points that he's trying to make. I don't think that he made them particularly well, but were they lost on me? No. I hear, I heard him. And you know why I think I heard him. I had an experience one time, if I can tell you this story, Nate, it was like this, um, uh, my son and I were going to Safeway. Okay. Oh, I got dogs. Okay. So we're going to Safeway and, um, we pull into, uh, the, you know, in the parking lot and I see this, uh, BMW kind of park real fast, but parks into a handicap spot, but only kind of, you know, asshole parks, you know, like Katie corner, like bad. And then, Oh, hold on. My kids are home Uh. (laughs) anyway. So, so he parks like that. Okay. So Christopher, my son is with me. And then we see like this old beat up like Subaru, but it's got all of these like coexist, a rainbow flag, love is love, you know, all. And then like a little thing about like handicapped people have our people too, some stuff like that, like super, super liberal, like, um, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren is my spirit animal, just all this (laughs) super as liberal tears as you can get this was this little uh, old white subaru and um 
so okay so chris and i aren't watching this happen and this is a clearly there's clearly handicapped people in there and i don't remember if, i think they have a handicap um license plate okay so chris and i are like watching this happen because the guy just zooms in and then the handicapped people kind of go like this right right and so out of the car out of the bmw comes a black guy black guy runs in to the safeway and the bmw comes out and these are two gay guys and i mean there's like they're like clearly gay do you know what i mean yeah walking like they're older <laughs> well i mean they you know they have a rainbow outfit on they're just gay, super gay and they're obviously also a couple yeah they hold hands and they kind of walk out and they go look at that bmw because they just saw this guy like the tail end of him like running in right so they're looking around the bmw and they're like um you know, just circling it and trying to find any like sign of a handicap sticker or anything like that. Right. And th there's nothing. And so I say, cause I like to, I mean, it was, it was taking too long. You know what I mean? So I was <laughs> like, Oh, let me help you. He's not, I saw him run. No, he doesn't have a handicap sticker. He's no, everything you're thinking is going on. That's what's happening. So I was like trying to instigate her. I thought help. My son was like, you're not helping. You can't do that. And I was like, come on, you know. So then um, they are like getting really pissed off. They're like, well, who, how dare he, blah, blah, blah. And Christopher's like, come on, mom, let's go in the store. And I go, no, 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 this is going to get great. Hold on. These gays are going to get so mad at this dude. This is going to be fantastic. And uh, so then the guy comes out and he has like a, like a case of Bud Light and he opens the back of his car and he puts in, um, he puts the beer, the box of beer in. And I see that there's all this decorations and uh, presents for like a little girl's birthday party. He's going to a little girl's birthday party, maybe his daughter, maybe his niece. He is going to a little girl's birthday party. And he had to park like that in a handicap spot, run in for beer to take to a child's birthday. So I freak out. I was like, what? You parked in a handicap spot just for that? Are you shitting me? And he looks, and then the gay guys are like, they get mad now. They, now they want to have it engage, right? Because now the guy looked at them. So they start going, well, who do you think you are? And how dare you? You know, we worked for the, I don't know, Handicapped Association of San Francisco or something, some huge or handicapped organization down in San Francisco. And they were like, and we're going to report you. And we wrote down your whatever and your license plate. And he, and, the, and the, the black guy just goes, I don't shut up. You're like he just you know shakes his head like oh my god you guys i don't care about you people at all and he just get he goes to get back in his car and um the guy goes i think the black guy said something like hey you know what you just need to mind your own damn business okay and the gay guy one of the gay guys goes oh yeah well you're just a dumb n-word yells at him and I just went, what are you doing to the gay guys? I was like, you could have had a fucking point. You could have had something. And I said, you know what? I'm so fucking stupid. I wanted to defend you because I thought you were a good person. I thought you were a good person because of all your fucking stupid stickers. But it turns out you're the piece <laughs> of shit. You suck. You are a racist. And the guy goes, well, it's just nothing. It's not different than when then they call us faggots. And I said, who called you? that nobody did that 
I was no. like, that, did, that didn't even happen just now. And then my son, Christopher, he's like, we're going to another safe way. Like he grabs me. He's a huge kid. And he like pulled me back to the car. But the whole time I'm just screaming, fuck you. <laughs> Lost my mind. <laughs> the moral of this been... story is don't fuck with Christine Levine live. You can do it on Twitter where, she, where you can block her or run away, but don't do it live. She will go I ballistic just... on you. I mean, just to see liberal, like people who are supposed to be liberal and uh, I don't know, just not that. And so when Dave Chappelle, when I seen seen Dave Chappelle, I knew exactly what he was talking about because I had seen it on my own in real life, in real time. The uh, but that story point points out a lot of uh, things that have really nothing to do with cancel culture. In a, in other words, that people are just fucked up on both sides. Uh, no matter what angle of life you come from, you can be a fucked up person or you can be a good. person. That's absolutely right. That's totally <laughs> right. But I just wanted to say that is where I came from. That is where. Well, I looked at this. I'm not defending Dave Chappelle's words, but I understand what he was trying to get at, and he was also trying to. Um. Uh. I think defend. Uh, women by bringing up Caitlyn Jenner and saying that she was the um, not women, women, trans women are women. I acknowledge that. I mean, like people who are born like are cisgender women. He was trying to defend cisgender women because Caitlyn Jenner had been, uh, uh, I guess, elected or nominated something. Uh, she had won Women of the Year after only being a woman for one year. And even when I heard that, I was like, is that is that true? Right. You know what well, I mean? Like, uh. well, I, I'm okay with uh, the concept. You know, none of this matters to uh, affects me. I shouldn't say it right. doesn't matter to me. It doesn't have any effect on my personal life. But it does I'm, not me I'm, either. I'm okay with uh, the the concept that trans women are women, except yes. when it comes to the idea that I've been told, and I'm okay with this too, that men don't have a voice in the abortion debate, and I'm fine with that. But if we're going to consider trans women. Uh, women, uh, then do they have a voice in in the deb- abortion debate? Because they can't have children either, uh, uh-huh. just like me. So wh- how, how they can't be women if they have a voice? Uh, okay, if they don't have a voice in the debate, it's not interesting. But if they are a woman, a woman, but and they can't, why am I yeah. excluded? But right, it, it, it complicates things. I think that this is outside our pay pay grade. <laughs> it definitely, I think is. that's beyond our scope of understanding. It is for me anyway. I don't know. Same. Like, I don't really know about um, how the Olympics can handle uh, trans women in sports and how that kind of shakes out. I think that they have decided that there is a certain amount of testosterone that you can have in your body, male, female, whatever you identify as. And that's where you will fall in the scope. Like if you have a certain, this amount of testosterone, then you go here. And if you have that amount, then you go there and that's it. The only times I ever, and I don't know. this is not bragging, but the only times I've ever really had my, uh, got a, a beating in a fight was from girls, but it was, it was kids. <laughs> but, but still, I, and I'm scarred from traumatized from both of them. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I carry that with me. All. So I, that whole idea of women can't compete with men on in physical stuff like boxing and football. Uh, you're talking to the yeah. wrong guy. If you're going to sell that, because I got my ass kicked by two girls. <laughs> well, I can tell you that is because girls don't have any kind of boundaries. We don't have any, like we will kick you in the balls. That's okay. We will will bite you. That's right. okay. We and don't my, have any in my sort case, of it was get hit in the face with a uh, a padlock. Oh yeah, we go <laughs> women go nuts. 
Mm-hmm. That's true. That's oh, true. I, and I, I, I did get that. stabbed by a woman once when I was actually trying to save her from her boyfriend who was beating her up, uh, parked under a red light in the mid- blocking traffic, and he's at her door beating her up. And I went to pull him off of her, threw him up against the car, and the next thing I felt was a knife going in my, my back. And I was like, and oh my she God. got mad at you. Yeah, she wanted like, to protect him and stab me. Uh-huh. Don't touch my baby. <laughs> so yeah. that's another whole other discussion. But like, where do you actually get involved in something like that? Because I thought I was doing the right thing and right. end up getting stabbed by it. But, yeah, that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I've seen that kind of situation, too. And I this woman was getting beat up in public by her boyfriend and my friends. I walked by and my friend grabs me and he goes, are we just going to not are we not going to say anything? And I said, this woman knows she's in public and she could scream fire, fire. This is not my dad. Please, somebody help me. She is not screaming that. So then guess what? Somebody came up to help her and pull him off. And then, and then, oh yeah. And then the police came, she beat up that dude. She beat up the police. (laughs) It just, they all went to jail and it was, um, oh, and then her daughter was there too. It was just mayhem. It just, it erupted into madness and everybody went to jail. No good deed goes unpunished, man. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So like, I was sort of keen. I was like, if she isn't asking for help then this is my clue that this is not their first rodeo do you know what i mean so i just was like i do not feel like this is something that i can get involved in it is not my skill set i cannot help here i don't know what i could do except endanger myself you know uh it's and i've been thinking about this a lot lately because it seems to me that comedy and i know comedy is spoken word which is why uh it's being more focused on but there are musicians out there that I know. Uh, Aaron Lewis, you're familiar with him, stained guy. Oh uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. His concerts, he actually comes out and literally says things that are uh, threatening to the trans community and and the gay community and um, just about everybody else, any minorities. He will he speaks his redneck mind very freely in between Ew. songs. So it's not in in the context of a song often. Although he does have songs where uh, you know he wants to burn the liberals and own the liberals and all that kind of stuff. Wow. But uh, he uses the f word. Yeah, he uses the n word. Mm-hmm. And they don't go after him. They're going to spend their time going after comedians who there is context. And there is uh, nuance and subtlety in what they're trying to say. And yes. you're mis- misinterpreting what they're saying, blowing that out of proportion. Meanwhile, there's a, a flaming racist over there with a <laughs> with a burning uh, cross that he's ready to burn uh, to put on your lawn. Right. And you're just giving him a pass. It doesn't make any sense at all. But is Aaron Lewis getting a pass? He does not have the level of influence that he did at one time. Yeah. I mean, and he is only right now, I think, preaching to his own choir. The people that go to see him go to see him, I think, for that content, not despite it. That's bizarre, man. Because I do know some people who were fans of his music before he started uh, speaking out about. Right. And this is all Trump brought these people out of the uh, closet. Now, you yeah. know, going down that stuff. But according to what, uh, based on what you said before about uh, Chappelle's not exactly the problem. It's the people who agree with him on that. I said that about Trump last weekend. Man, mm-hmm. did I get I get dragged on Twitter. Uh, it was unbelievable. I had to mute the conversation and mute everybody who was just right. doing it. But all I said was, Trump is not the, the disease. He's the symptom. He is. The, the I problem, agree with you. The problem is everybody who agrees with he just gave them license to, to be who they really are. And uh-huh. now now they're here and they're not going back in 
the redneck closet, the racist closet, whatever you want to call it. So no, no, they're not. I I had a a joke about this that I was doing for the, the last four or five years was that like when you ask like when was America great? Well, America was great when um it was them that had to hide their jokes. They had to look around. And make sure that no one was, you know, there were no libtards, you know, around and yeah. before they told their off-color bullshit. And that is when America was great, when they were hiding. That yeah. is what I loved. At least, And I even have some um, black or brown friends that go, well, at least we know where they are now. Well, but do you? Yeah. I mean, is it better? I can't see that. It's better. They're more emboldened. They're getting radicalized. There is no difference between a, a, a right-wing person, like a guy with a, a gun and a Bible, th than you would see like uh, with a, a Islamic militant, Islamic person with like a, the Quran and a, a AK. It's right. just like the same imagery. And it's yeah. the same, let's say, passion. It's very Rhetoric. scary, and, and uh, I know you follow politics uh, somewhat, and and what's going on with this whole January sixth thing. Uh, oh, jeez! And last night I had a show just to try, and obviously I have no voice compared to Tucker Carlson. I mean, it's like a cricket in the woods, five miles away or something, and yeah. <laughs> compared to a guy with the huge megaphone. But he's running this special, trying to whitewash January 6th and, and not just whitewash it, but completely turn it around saying it was a false flag operation done by the liberals. I mean, we have some people chanting Trump. McCarthy called Trump to say, you got to call these people off. And there's still people who are going to believe this documentary that Tucker Carlson puts out that says it was all a liberal uh, false flag operation and all that stuff. I, I just think that he's I don't understand how his followers like Tucker, people who are going to watch that and believe it. And I know that you're right. There are going to pe be people that believe that. And I think like so they they think that all of these people who are going to jail for their participation in the insurrection, that they are like really committed to the bit. Is that it? They're just like, oh, no, I can't break character, man. I'll go to jail. I'll do my time. Three, four years. That's cool. <laughs> for the liberal cause of of, of making yeah. Trump look bad, I'm well. You know what? I go to jail for it. Cool. I don't. I don't put it past some of them. To be honest with you, I wouldn't put it past some of them to become suicide bombers for Donald Trump. I really wouldn't. Uh, We've <laughs> come so close to getting that two times already. Yeah, I mean, so, and I, I said this last week on on social media as well uh, on my Facebook page. I don't put everything on Twitter because I know I. Uh, I can get dragged on Twitter a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. But um, the people who are calling for civil war and a lot of them in the January 6th people, if you go through uh, tweets and all that stuff, civil war has started. Uh, they're all chanting civil war. Civil oh, war. And I yeah. said to my friend, I, my Republican friend, because I still have lots of people who I grew up with and, uh, and known for years who are hardcore Republicans and Trumpers. I said, um, basically, the civil war you're calling for means at some point, you're going to be asked to kill me because I'm not a Democrat, but I don't agree with you. And anybody who doesn't agree with you uh, is going to be on the hit list. Donald Trump has shown his compunction to say, go to war for me. That's you're right. going to have to be you're going to be asked to go to war for him. The civil war that you're chanting means killing your friends and family and neighbors and people. And mostly you don't have what it takes to kill a human being, even somebody you truly hate, never mind your friends and family. So yeah, let's yeah. back off this, you know, fire keg of civil war a little bit. 
none of them are having it though. They, you know, only the only people who responded positively are people who already don't like Donald Trump. But nobody on the Republican side saw the eventuality of what I'm saying. That sooner or later, you're gonna pick up a gun and have to come after me. Your buddy, the guy who supported you, loved you. You're gonna kill me. That's right. Yeah, and I can't believe that they are just fooling themselves about how brave they think they are. You can't even take a shot in your arm. You can't even do that for your country, <laughs> and you think that you're gonna lay down your life for it? Really? Yeah. No, you're not going to war, honey. No, well, I don't I, believe that they will. I, I hope to. not. I have to admit that I stalled on the vaccine only because I was afraid of the needle in the arm, uh, not because I was afraid of what was in the needle. I yeah. was afraid of the, I, I've had the a actual... needle phobia my whole life. And you're a all... guy who got stabbed. So I think that you can <laughs> be hesitant if you want. And uh, I was quite honest that the needle, it was the most painless needle I ever had in my life. I didn't, I, I, I was done before I even knew he started. <laughs> Isn't that funny? They make them so small now. I have not gotten my booster yet because I don't like, I know I'm going to have the side effects. I yeah. mean, I think I will. And the other side effects, they made me so sick for two days. I had already had COVID when I got my vaccine. So everybody warned me. They said it's going to be so much worse than if you hadn't had COVID, I was prepared, but still not quite, you know what I mean? And yeah. th this booster might, might be really rough too. And I'm just like, I don't have that kind of time, man. I got to take a day off work or something. And I don't have that kind of time. I honestly think there is something to this disease that uh, certain people are uh, just don't, don't feel it. I, I, I've had it three times and didn't feel it. And no, I, that's true. I, and I just didn't feel it at all. I got no symptoms at all. My mm -hmm. wife even said, you're usually like a real sissy when it comes to getting sick. I, I'm not, not real. I'm the world's biggest sissy when it comes oh. to, You know, I go to the hospital if I get a cold. <laughs> oh, poor baby. No, I'm not good with it. I want to lay down and die. Getting back to comedy, though, and I know your, your, your buddy Doug Stanhope says, don't give advice because all you're doing is telling comics how to be like you. Oh, yeah. But on, on the in the realm of advice for a young person who is going to start out in, in stand-up comedy now and looking to do open mics, uh, you got any kind of guidance or what to, what to do and what not to do. And, and, you know, about the fear of saying the wrong thing. It's the worst place for a comedian to be in of, you know, you, be afraid of saying the wrong thing. Go ahead, go ahead oh. and make them laugh, but don't say anything. <laughs> yeah, you better watch out. W um, what do you say? That is the that is really what I was getting at. You know, when we were talking on Twitter a few weeks ago, is that there is a cancel culture kind of. It's not like what we're talking about, like Dave Chappelle or people like that. He's he's fine. Shit, Louis C.K.'s fine. They're fine. It's okay. Louis C.K. lost a little bit of money. Maybe Dave Chappelle will lose a little money. I doubt it. It's okay. But it is the people who are starting out who don't have the skill set who try to attack um, material that is outside their skill set. They don't know how to do it. They admire people like Richard Pryor or Dave Chappelle or you know people that take on these huge topics, the controversial topics, and they want they want to emulate them. Those are their idols, and they want to do what they do, even like Stanhope. I have seen young comedians try to have a conversation with Doug Stanhope and they are trying to out Stanhope Stanhope. You can just tell that they're trying to out edge him. And I want to take those babies aside and go, mm -mm, 
you are, this is not your play field right here. You are right. not here. He's earned it. That's, that's yeah. He's a big of, boy. He's a prodigy. Yeah. You are not a prodigy, baby. Mm-mm. Yeah. I, I so, think that's true in uh, in so much, uh, in, especially in young people uh, in any art form is we idolize those people. And then we think, well, you know, we can do their what they do right from the start. But there is a you have to pay your dues in order to get to that position. Right. And, <laughs> yeah, we see the end result and we love it and we want to emulate it. But what we don't see is the 20 years it took to get there or the 15 years. Like it was a lot of work. And a lot of times these comics started off as kind of clean comics and they had to work their way into finding their own voice and who that meant and who that is as an adult or, you know, an older man or woman. They didn't start out as. Uh, dirty or edgy comedians that's not what they were doing at first so you have to just grow and find your voice and i would say i have i have had comics um that i have not not like tutored but you know they have asked me you know would i kind of take them on the on the road or under my wing or whatever and i have um just taken them aside and been like you are just um punching outside your weight class honey you you don't know what you're trying to do this really difficult um uh joke or bit or whatever and i admire you you want to take on domestic violence or whatever like good for you we have to have jokes we can joke about anything but you better make it fucking funny like it had better be genius it better be good and if you're not a prodigy if you're not just right out of the gate a genius then you need to just take a step back and figure out, learn your ropes first and just figure out what you want to do. Stan Hope gave me the best advice I've ever gotten. And that was, he said, uh, just have fun. So if, and that I think goes for anything. And if you are doing material that is getting you in trouble, getting you talked to, getting you lectured, getting you screamed at, you are not having fun. So just (laughs) maybe take, I like to take a cue from my audiences and I have always done that. I let the audience tell me if I'm on the right track and if I'm not on the right track, they're not laughing, then, um, they're judging me. And then I, I, I changed my tack. You know what I mean? I changed the way I'm approaching this, like problem this joke yeah awareness of the crowd is a major thing i i have a song that is uh uh always requested it's called love song and basically the the it's a silly song it says uh come on uh do you want to get uh naked in the back of my truck come on baby let's and the guys the singer starts to say it and i cut him off i say wait a minute mike you can't say that but but it's silly stupid like that but requested every time we play but he had me playing a republican fundraiser of some kind 10 years ago or so uh we're up on this uh, this showmobile playing for a bunch of republican people and he requested that song because it always goes over well when we play clubs and people request it all the time and then the whole band said mikey you can't play this here you can't play no no it's it's our best song people love that and sure enough we started playing by the time we got to the the chorus and he's he's the uh karens were all <laughs> rushing the yeah. stage we have small children here but the point is you really do have to have awareness of who you're talking to and who your crowd is before you start you know just dropping getting edgy as they <laughs> yeah that's right i think that it's a problem when the other comedians are telling you to shut up 
like they should just let the audience decide let the audience tell that comic that they're not on the right track i mean there is a limit there is like if you're i had this um one uh comedian and she was just yelling racial slurs from the mic and i was like uh it's the only time i've ever pulled a comic off off my show and just like stopped it turned off her mic was like get the no you no i can't i i won't it's not funny it's i go if you want to say this is performance art maybe but it's not comedy and you need to leave huh it's a funny line for me because i grew up with white guys who you know white comedians who were not punished at all for doing that kind of stuff i mean lots of them did it and got away with it and mm-hmm. of course time change and you have to evolve with them but it's a confusing thing for boomers like me to see people getting so upset about that compared to um some of the language and some of the stuff that i grew up with from comedians i was watching red fox the other day uh yeah. not that he's a white guy but uh oh. just uh, his, his act today would be there's no way he could say any of this. He's stuff. very filthy. Yeah. yeah, I have some Red Fox records. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's really funny, but uh, this idea of you know the the double standard, and I think at some point because I'm going back now in my mind to the Tony Hinchcliffe uh, thing that was uh, before Dave Chappelle several months ago. That right. uh, it seems to me a lot of times it's comics that are causing this twitter fire or whatever the backlash again they're looking for something that a successful comic can do so they can pull him down a peg so that they can hopefully use pulling him down as a peg uh, a peg as a stepping stone to oh, their maybe. own because that the guy who uh who called out tony hinscliffe who was a friend of his and knew him pretty well obviously uh went from 40 followers on twitter to about eight thousand in one day and i'm sure that was um so it lifted plan. it elevated him yeah mm-hmm. so, so yeah that happens uh, yeah so that whole backstabbing thing between and i think it's it's gotten more prevalent now with the age of social media is this idea that you can you can lift yourself up by pulling somebody else down yes and, you easily can that's what i mean and where is the where is the um the forgiveness or the teachable moments or, you know, it's just like we're so quick to just judge somebody on social media and dismiss them. I mean, and I think about like um, what we did to and I say we because we as a country just um, hurt Monica Lewinsky really, really bad and traumatized her and made this 21 year old young girl. Uh, I mean, she's not a child, but she was super young. I'm 50. My kids are younger than that now. Right. right yeah. I mean, it just I think about what we did to her. Honestly. When I was 22 years old, I don't, I don't doubt that I might have blown Bill Clinton. Uh, you yeah. know what? I mean, 22 years there. old, did this stupid stuff. And if, if you want to compare the stupid stuff, the mistakes she made at 22 to, to the mistakes that I made at 22, I have no, no leg to stand on in criticizing her. You're but right. also, yeah, we weren't thinking about like this power dynamic or that he's the president. And right. I mean, it was just so gross the way a late night talk show guys t- talked about her. And her life was ruined. We're still doing that. We're still doing that to people. Anytime that we should be canceling someone, we should be canceling like corporations for not paying their employees. We should not be canceling comedians for their words, even words like what Dave Chappelle said, because he clearly does not understand what he's talking about. That's my opinion. No, I just don't think that he gets it. And I think that he has a point he was trying to make. 
Well, uh, your points are well taken, especially uh, two things. Forgiveness, uh, of course, the Monica stuff is, is uh, yeah, I think she's an extraordinary person. I would love she to is. be able to talk to her mm-hmm. now well, because I think she, that moment, although it seemed brutal and mean, I think it helped make her into an extraordinary person that she is today. And I would love to talk to her about that. Yeah. Uh, but but the idea of, of forgiveness and, um, uh, you know, just the idea that, he Dave Chappelle was willing to have a conversation with people about it. Now, most people who really hate you, mm-hmm. they're not going to even go that far. They're not going to let you in the door. And this idea you kind of uh, brought it up. He doesn't understand it. Now, there's a big difference. We use the word transphobic and homophobic mm-hmm. as to mean hate. Fear of or misunderstanding, not understanding your life doesn't mean I hate you. It just means I just don't get it. And there right. is room there. It's an invitation for a dialogue to help you, you know, educate me, enlighten me, help me understand. But just because I might be homophobic or transphobic, and I might even be, mm-hmm. doesn't mean I hate them. It means I, I'm, I'm clueless because I don't have enough exposure to that whole mindset, that whole life. And that don't don't label me a hater just because I might be ignorant. <laughs> right. And I think that Dave Chappelle would say that he would. Um, he, I think that that was clear in what he was coming across with trying to say. And in fact, when he was talking about his friend um, with da- uh, Daphne, a trans woman that he let on his show or had open for him or something like that. And they I guess they were friends for a while. Daphne um, has uh, she died by suicide a few months ago because she was being bullied by her own community for defending him. Well, I don't know that that was because, but to say that it was not related, I think would be short-sighted. I think Uh, it definitely was related Yeah, because it happened like right after she tried, she was friends with Dave Chappelle and she tried to tell people that um, it's not what you think. He's not like that. He doesn't hate me. And that they even had some words where he, he just told her like, I don't get it. And she said, I don't need you to understand me. I don't need you to get it. I need you to know and believe me that I am going through it. Right. This is really happening to me. Right. And, she and that said, is all that matters. The words she uh, she used was, uh, I'm going through a human experience. And you yes. could tell that that resonated with Chappelle because he, he, that was the key. That was the big takeaway for me. He said, empathy is not white. It's not black. It's not trans. It's not gay. It's not straight. Empathy is part of the human condition. And that's what she was saying. And his mm-hmm. voice choked up in that. And I'm like, where are the people that are calling him a hater? Don't they see this man is, and I'm not defending Dave Chappelle, but I'm understanding that he lost somebody and he definitely feels empathy towards that person and understands mm-hmm maybe he still has that bitterness because of, of his experience as a black man in, in white America, but some of that. uh, Yeah. Yeah. But, but at the end of the day, he understands that this is a person that was hurting and was encouraging us all to have that understanding that she's a human being, just like the rest of us going through some shit that not, you know, her, her own personal shit. That's right. That's right. You know what? And even when that, when I heard that, I was like, oh, so that means that I can give a shit about Trump supporters. I can give a shit about QAnon people that I don't understand. I can love them too. As gross as that is to me sometimes. Like, they're crazy. 
I, but I can tell you, I do. I, felt I, it. I, I have I have Trump friends that I care deeply about. Yeah. I don't I, for the life of me. I can't understand the parallel universe they're living in. And sometimes, me neither. Yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, you can't just give up on people, and that's why people say when I said I have racist friends. Well, why do you still have racist friends? Because. I don't give up on people because we're all on a journey to learn something here. Mm-hmm. I, and I can tell you uh, my opinions and, and, and beliefs and my character has changed over the course of my lifetime. Uh, right. grew up grew up in a very racist neighborhood, a very na- racist attitude and environment. We had race riots every year. Kind of spoke about this yesterday. Race riots at the end of every school year with people we'd sit in the cafeteria with black guys would be sitting in the, at the cafeteria but after school we're going to meet outside and fight those same guys because they happen to be black and we happen to be white wow <laughs> bizarre Jeez. man yeah because it just got we it was a legacy thing it was handed down the race riots that happened yeah. every summer <laughs> wow yeah. that's rough yeah yeah so but yeah. uh do you think this stuff is limited to comedy because that's where i'm you know, I, I mentioned music, and you 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 don't see people in music getting attacked that much, unless they're like really stupid, like you know uh, Ted Nugent or like loudmouths. But mm-hmm. um, there are you don't see it happening in music where people are trying to cancel music stuff. No, it is, and it's interesting. Um, I have thought that a lot. Like, um, there you can you can make it be a comic, and you make a a joke about rape, but if you like really show one at like a child rape like a i think dakota fanning was in a film that showed a child rape and it was very graphic and gross and scary but you show that film and that's art but a comic tells a joke about it oh well now it's not funny even if i were to joke about my own rape there are women usually women who uh want to tell me to shut up right how dare i well but it's my experience i can say what i want can't i I mean, I feel like I can. So there is like a thing about um, there is an implied honesty in comedy and an implied trust relationship that you have with the audience. Even even Larry, the cable guy, I think we all know that that's a character. We all know that it's really a guy named Dan Whitney who's putting on the costume and he's not really this Larry, the cable guy. But if he were to you know, spout off some racist stuff. It's not the character doing it. We still think like, nope, that's you. That would that would still be Dan Whitney be getting the brunt of it. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is this relationship in stand-up that the spoken word has with an audience that music, just doing it to a tune changes what it means. And I right. don't know why that is. Yeah, and it's bizarre because, uh, you know, and, and music isn't alone in this. In literature, we see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but, and there has been some small attempts at, you know, I remember uh, an exhibit at the uh, Guggenheim uh, that got, uh, what was the guy's name? It was homoerotic art, and they, they wanted to cancel that stuff. Uh, and that was that was the the Christian right that wanted to, to cancel that. Now we're seeing the liberal left trying to cancel uh, comedians. So I'm thinking uh, it's kind of like bizarro world. We're I agree down. with you. I agree with you on that. And I think that it's, it's very strange to me. Like I know the difference between art and porn. Why, how come no one knows the difference between like a joke and what is like, I'm seriously saying, you know, something that is off color or something I shouldn't be saying. How come 
that is not comedians are not given any kind of nuance they're not giving any kind of forgiveness or any kind of like wiggle room or whatever we are being held hard and fast to every little word that comes out of our mouth and that's just not our job we're not yeah. we're not politicians we're not gonna uh, you know, you don't have to vote for us. We're just trying to make people laugh. And sometimes we're going to miss the mark. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it kind of, this is kind of gets me because we don't, we don't see every comedy club in America every night. We see the specials. We see the stuff. Unless mm -hmm. somebody brings a, a sneaks a phone in or, and, and tapes something and then puts it online. We don't know about it. So I'm wondering how prevalent is, is this idea of, uh, the joke police. Uh, and, uh, the other part of that is I think people it's clear that Dave Chappelle didn't knock on anybody's door. Right. And right. no, he, nobody was sitting at the, in television and all of a sudden it popped on and Netflix just happened to pop on and choose Dave, Dave Chappelle's special. Well, right. They had to actually say, I'm going to watch Dave Chappelle. And so I'm thinking a lot of people went in and said, I'm going to watch Dave Chappelle with the mindset of, what can I nail him on? You know, and and that I think is is a phenomenon that mm -hmm. uh, is born of the internet age, the, the trolling age of uh, let's just see what we can get on somebody. Well, waiting for somebody to trip up, right? You know, with no head in hand. Like that. That's right. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. What do you make of that? Is it part? Is it becoming? Uh, is the human uh, psychology evolving into this? Uh, let's get them culture. <laughs> yes, that's it. Actually, there's something called what is it called? Schadenfreude? For Schadenfreude? Schadenfreude? I can't yeah. say, I can never pronounce it right, but I know the word and I can probably spell it. But there is some of that. I think that people sort of enjoy uh, catching people doing something bad and they love it and they kind of get off on it. Right. Yeah. I And I think this idea of separating now, a lot of comics aren't over the top putting on a character like say dice clay would have would have been obvious character you mentioned uh larry the yeah. guy, obvious mm -hmm. character but Chappelle is not necessarily an obvious character he's coming off as it's almost like authentic as himself no so people tend to associate that there is no two dave Chappelle's. there's not the character of him there's only no dave no Chappelle. That yeah. is true. That is true. This is a different, totally different case. Yeah. This is where I think he is speaking everything that is true and everything that is on his heart. I believe that. Right. Yeah. And there are, there are comics that are like that. I feel like San Hope's one of those comics. Andy Andrist is one of those comics. I am one of those comics that we really try to get as close to the truth as we can. Um, right. It's just very important to us to be, uh, our authentic selves on stage and to have that relationship with the audience. Stanhope is a uh, unique beast in this mix because uh, in some, uh, maybe it's just my perception, but I think he's uncancelable, not for the same reasons that Joe, Joe Rogan is uncancelable, uh, that Joe Rogan just has this big enough platform now that he thinks uh, nobody can take him down. He's self-sufficient and all that. Mm -hmm. I think First of all, I think Stanhope is not a household name. So there are people, the people who know him are already his dedicated fans, or like cult worship of him. That's and right. Then there, and then there are people who don't know him and don't give a fuck about him. So he could say whatever he wants. So he's in that special 
sweet spot where he yes. can, he's uncancelable, right? That's right. Yeah. Anybody that's ever like tried to threaten that or say, well, I'm going to call what, what paper and whatever. And he's just like, oh, geez, he is in a sweet spot. I feel like I feel like um, that's something that I have always wanted to be in also so that I didn't have to really sweat the small stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I see that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you're right. Mm-hmm. It would be great if we could figure out the method to get to that place and just kind of <laughs> lay it out. Here's your yeah. blueprint for getting to the sweet i'll be honest i always blamed it on his boyish charm that that he could just get he has this little glint in his eye and he can just say whatever is on his mind and get away with it It, because and also it's because it's going to be funny yeah that that's a big part of it you know um a lot and i think Chappelle might have fallen into this and i wanted to ask you about this it's what i call the george Collin professor syndrome where comedians start out as just there to make people laugh and at Mm -hmm. some point they take on this importance and stature at least in their own minds and sometimes in the minds of their fans that they are imparting more than just comedy here they're imparting some bigger wisdom or bigger truth that like carlin a lot of people have that view about carlin so i think absolutely some people fall into that trap as they career progresses they want to become that uh professor and not worried about making people laugh so much but spending an hour giving a lecture (laughs) it is like they have come from uh not so much being a comedian but now they are uh, into social commentary right and that is where they yeah i saw that too with carlin's career and now with dave Chappelle. i totally agree right And, and i think that could be a bad choice maybe sometimes uh, may, I don't know. Maybe if you're tr- really an activist and you're trying to affect change in the mm-hmm. world, maybe that's a good thing to do. But I think if you're trying to save yourself a lot of aggravation and being dragged on Twitter, if that counts to anything for you, you're probably is best a- off just staying a comedian and just go, going out with the intent of making people laugh. That is a super good point. Like if Dave Chappelle belonged to the Black Panthers, we could all see where this is, you know, like we go, oh, okay, this is the impetus. We got it. And we understand where he's coming from. But you're right, because he's not um, known, his activism is not widely known. I'm sure that he does participate in some activist activities, but we're not like seeing that on the forefront of him when we think of Dave Chappelle, we think of him primarily as a comedian. And that probably is why he was being so harshly criticized. I think if we knew that he knew him as an activist and that was his primary role, nothing that he would have said would have been controversial. We, right. If we knew that about him already. I'm going to throw out a name that you might not even uh, be old enough to remember. <laughs> okay. Dick Gregory. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, Yes, I know Dick Gregory. Well, Dick Gregory started out as a comedian, but later in Mm -hmm. life, nobody knew even thought of him as a comedian anymore. He's a pure activist. And I think Mm -hmm. that's probably the road that that Chappelle is on now, where uh, five five or ten years from now, people will forget that Chappelle was once a very hysterically funny comedian, like belly laughs from beginning to end of his shows and they won't even remember any of that about him all they'll remember is that uh his wars with uh, the alphabet uh, mm-hmm. community <laughs> that's right yeah You're uh, right. so where, where do you think it goes from here do you think it's gonna uh, blow over at, or at some point like this is just a phase or fad we're going through or do you think it will it will just continue to get worse well i mean i don't think worse is how it's going i because I think that, um, uh, man, it's, it's not bad that we can't 
punch down anymore. You know what I mean? That, that punching down that he was talking about in his special, it's not bad that we have to, that that has to stop. It's not bad that um, people of color are having a voice and they're getting more involved in comedy and they're trying to, and they're saying, you know what, we don't want you saying that. Or little people are saying, we don't want you calling us midgets anymore. We never liked it to begin with. You know, we all think that this is like, Oh, well, this is new. We've been calling you this forever and now you don't like it. No, they've never liked it. They're just, you can hear them now. That's the difference. So I don't think that any of that is bad, but um, I do think that um, just not having that um, kind of space to make mistakes or to, to speak about something that you don't fully understand and to be corrected in your comedy that is a problem. And I think that that will get better because I think that more and more people are starting to catch on to that idea that we don't have to be just this or that, or that if you say this, then you're absolutely that, you know what I mean? I don't think that that's yeah, one as of, much as it was maybe a couple of years ago. One of the negative for uh, fallout of this, and how do I even articulate this is that I find myself arguing on the same side as some trumpers when it comes to this issue and that makes me mm -hmm. feel very confused uh and it's like yeah. i don't i don't want to i don't want them to think that i'm lending support to their agenda or their side but i happen to agree that uh you know a, 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 the thing i got dragged about uh, was alexander vindman the guy who uh um who was the whistleblower in right. the ukraine impeachment uh yeah. he he tweeted something about we should uh, we should ban Tucker Carlson's documentary uh, because it's a, akin to uh, yelling fire in a crowded theater. I said, no, not not yet. Not until something happens. You shouldn't ban it. You should let him speak his mind. And then if anything happens, we hold him accountable to it. And a bunch of lawyers grabbed onto me like they didn't hear any context. Like, what are you going to sue him over? What? And like, where did you get your law degree? And I basically said context matters. But this whole idea that uh, now all of a sudden I'm the Trump people are like back, got my back. And it's like, yeah. wait, don't, don't have my back. I don't want yeah, to, please don't. <laughs> I don't need your help. You guys. Yeah, please. I don't want to be associated with you. I'm not on your side. I just agree on this one issue that we shouldn't, we should let people talk and then hold them accountable uh, for their words and, and the actions that their words uh, result in rather well, than so, just preemptively. Right. Right. But well, what will happen then? So somebody has to get hurt before Tucker Carl Carlson is. Um, and uh, I could argue that many, many people have been hurt by his words already. And he should be uh, censored already. Oh, oh, no doubt about it. He should uh, should be held responsible for any da uh, damage that is caused. And I don't disagree with you that he has caused damage in the past. But with this new one, you can't just preempt words. Can't say you can't make this speech because we know what you're going to say. That's right? like the minority report. We're going to arrest you because we know at some point in your future you're going to be a criminal. Right. <laughs> yeah. Can't, so, can't yes, do that. Unfortunately, the way our justice system, somebody has to get hurt before you can hold yeah. The pe guilty people accountable. I mean, oh, honey, I'm a woman. I hear that. I know that is a fact. Yeah. I can't get a restraining order until I've been stalked and harassed and like been, had my life threatened. You and, just and, can't get any help. And even a restraining order. I mean, no. we've we've seen that doesn't really do anything, right? It, no, it doesn't do anything. So no, I get if it, yeah. I'm going to murder you, uh, do I care about going to jail for breaking a restraining order? <laughs> 
uh, not really a deterrent. Yeah. 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 It's, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, but I understand where you're coming from with that. Yeah. So you get it. So uh, mm-hmm. the, the system is flawed, but it's the only, it's a better system than just let, letting the government just preempt. And it, you can put it on in the, in the uh, realm of com- comedy. You can't just say to a comedian, I know you're going to say bad shit. So I'm not going to let you up on the stage tonight. Uh, That's true. <laughs> Do you know what I would like to see? Actually, I would like to see maybe a nonpartisan, like kind of think tank, uh, people sort of, um, maybe rate news shows. So that this could be like, this is a real hard news show and they do fact check and they are, you know, and maybe they have an A rating. And then a show like Tucker Carlson's could be like, this is just bullshit. And so that people would know because we are having a crisis in this country where people cannot tell the difference between fact and opinion. And they are going to be doing that on this um, Tucker Carlson's uh, little quote unquote documentary. There will be no facts in that documentary. There will be suspicion and and opinion and that's it. And it will all be presented as fact. Uh, and we it, should have it, like a rating system for that. I'll go one further. It'll be complete lies and and distortions and basically incitement. There is no doubt in my mind the plan because I've seen enough of it, uh, the previews of it, that there is incitement in it, incitement towards civil war. And I, I'm old enough to remember, and I'm, I, apparently you are too, the, mm-hmm. the early 90s when militias were, uh, you know, blowing up buildings in Oklahoma City, uh, you know, you yeah. name it, Waco, burning, <laughs> fighting the police. And who knows who's really responsible for what happened in Waco. But the point is oh, that militia yeah. movement and and all those, and they're stirring those people up and feeding them with gasoline. So what we have now is a powder keg that makes the 90s militia movement look like child's play and i really i'm i'm not i'm a definite pessimist when it comes to the so all this stuff we're talking about comedy might be moot if we if it comes down to my neighbors picking up a gun and coming to kill me oh no i know we're gonna be like telling jokes around a campfire and they're gonna be real morbid because nobody's gonna care about anything anymore right yeah we're all gonna see so much death yeah (laughs) just make jokes about it I, I'm going to close with an Andy Andrews line from his special. I hope I'm not, because uh, I won't deliver it well. But he's talking about uh, the um, college campuses where the creative writing class had people come in and shoot up the whole class. He said, oh, but right. th- those people who survived became better writers. And so, to your point, at the, if the Civil War, the comedy is going to be excellent, but it will mm-hmm. be in very small, intimate rooms. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, uh, what's going on with the radio show before I let you go? I've, I've, uh, anything oh no it's just uh, you know it's just going it's a, a morning drive in tucson at the classic rock station and i broadcast just like this from my little room my little office wonderful wonderful and frank doesn't bitch about you about getting back getting in or it was just that one day with the cable oh no of course he does of course i think he was i went in studio on tuesday because i had a show in tucson a comedy show and so i just stayed overnight in tucson and then shut up at the studio in the morning and it was it's always always really special to see him um i think that if i went in every day it would just be like like it would turn into a real job but this that i can just um you know talk i just get up out of my bed i walk into my make coffee i walk into my office i bullshit for four hours a day and with a a person i consider a good friend and then you know i go lay down again 
That's my wow. life. It's That's great. my life too. We have it's the so same great. life, <laughs> except except I don't have somebody else to talk to. I'm doing it by myself. Well, now I'm talking to some a guest, a stranger every day. Oh but... man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, two or two or three, something you know, often three shows a day. But uh, it's a, always interesting, and I, I appreciate. It. I appreciate you, and I'm on the bandwagon wagon with those people who just love Christine Levine and uh, are part of the um, what is the the UKL Universal Christine Levine? Oh, UKLL Universal <laughs> Christine Levine Love Association. That's, <laughs> That's really sweet. And, anyway, we I appreciate your time here. I wish you great success, and we'll be tuning Thank in you. to hear you and Frank in the morning. And and thanks for coming. Have a great night. Sucks. You too. Thank you so much, babe. Bye for now. Christine Levine, folks. Uh, interesting stuff there, and uh, maybe uh, I don't know if we're rekindling the whole Chappelle thing. And that's not my intention here. I just uh, hope that we can uh, kind of have a dialogue about what's really going on in the world of comedy because i i'm a huge fan of obviously uh all the comedians i have on i'm a huge fan of of comedy and i think it's an important thing in our lives and we seem to be like a lot of things trying to kill what what we what matters most to us something we value when we're trying to stamp it out and i think that's a bad thing love to hear your thoughts about it by the way got lots of hate mail last night but write to me at info at minddogtv.com info at minddogtv.com love to hear your uh opinions on this i might start reading some of the viewer uh mail and listener mail that we get it because last night we uh talking about the beer hall put she um and man Man, did I light a fire with some of the Trump people that hate me now. So I want to play you some of the, uh, those voicemails. I don't want to kind of out people and get into naming them. So I'm not sure how we're going to approach that. Anyway, no show tomorrow. I'm off playing with the band this weekend. I'll be back Monday. Till then, I'm Matt Napple from My Dog TV Podcast. Have a great rest of your night. Bye for now.
to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.